This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent supporters podcast that looks at our national football team. So I know I said on the last episode that the next one, this one, uh, would be previewing the forthcoming internationals against Iceland and Denmark. Well, it appears I was a little ahead of myself. Don't know what I was thinking. Uh, but to be fair, I've been struggling since around mid-March with what day it is. So I'm surprised it's taken until now to make a mistake like that. But that preview is coming soon. This episode, however, is a quick catch-up with a couple of podcast friends. Firstly, thanks for all the feedback on the last episode. The one where we spoke with Chris Temple, the stadium announcer at Wembley. Really enjoyed that one and seems plenty of you did too. It can still be found in all the usual places if you've not heard it yet. And now if you cast your mind back a few episodes ago, we've done a special on the C team, which again got a great reaction and is still available to listen to. Well, we mentioned the website England Football Online, who were looking at compiling a comprehensive list of results. Well, I can confirm that is now up and looking great. Chris and Glenn have done a fantastic job. Go and have a look yourself, not just at the C team results, but as I've mentioned before, the senior men, lionesses, youth levels, there's loads of info there. EnglandFootballOnline.com Now, this is actually episode 109, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to check in with CJ Joyner about Block 109. See what I've done there? Uh, And what's been going on over there? That's coming up soon. Plus, I've no doubt you've heard the news regarding the Lionesses. We'll catch up with Rich Laverty to hear his thoughts. Now, I know the last episode I mentioned that Denmark had this six-day stay law imposed for visiting tourists. And I said that this could all be changed at the drop of a hat. Well, it would seem that the hat has been dropped, according to the website gov.uk. However, on the flip side, it appears that Iceland have picked up that hat. And as of August the 19th, all travellers arriving in Iceland will be required to undergo two COVID-19 screenings and quarantine for four to five days in between tests. This is what the Health Ministry of Iceland has advised. Although, if you believe what you read on the BBC website, a recent article said UEFA will not allow fans to attend any European international matches in September, uh, says Scottish FA Chief Executive Ian Maxwell. So again, all still up in the air. Uh, Apparently a UEFA spokesman insists a final decision has yet to be made with a review planned around mid-August, which is pretty much now. Uh, Again, if you are planning on going to either of the Nordic countries next month, do stay safe and I hope your plans aren't too interrupted.
Now, the big news this week is the appointment of Dutch women's national coach, Serena Weigman, uh, who's going to succeed Phil Neville as head coach of the Lionesses. And if you've only read the headlines, you may not actually be aware that this isn't as of now. This is actually as of September 2021. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about it and let's welcome back our regular Lionesses correspondent, Rich Laverty. Hello, Rich. Hi, Ross. You okay? Yeah, all good. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, just like I said, off off camera there, just um, yeah, getting back to a bit of normality now, thankfully. That's, that's positive positive news from from your point of view, because you, you're involved in Sheffield United, aren't you? Yeah, so um, with the women and, and also with the academy on the men's side, it's been, yeah, it's been quite a long six months just waiting to have a game or waiting for pre-season or, you know, waiting for something. And yeah, the uh, the women have been back in about four or five weeks now and the academy have been back in. So yeah, fingers crossed and it is fingers crossed because you just don't know at the moment what's going to happen. But um, yeah, we're in three weeks today. We'll have just finished our first game. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Good stuff. Well, I was going to touch on the uh, the WSL at some point. We'll uh, we'll leave that to the end. But yeah, obviously the the big news at the moment is the is the appointment of Serena. Or oh, just saying that's off off camera. There is it. Weigman, Vigman. How how do you know about it? I believe it's Vigman, and that's because I said Weigman last week and got it wrong. So <laughs> um, I'm pretty certain it's Vigman. Okay. Well, let's stick with Serena. Uh, yeah. What, what do you know about her? Um, I mean, I've never met her. I've never had anything to do with her personally, but obviously over the last few years, she's kind of shot to prominence, really. She she took the Netherlands job not long, really, before the Euros in 2017. Uh, they made a change, I think it was about seven or eight months before the tournament. Obviously, in the Netherlands, she's very, very well known. She played for the country, I think, over 100 times. Uh, she's coached for a long time, whether at club level or, or international. She was the assistant and then kind of got shoehorned in, and, and obviously the rest is kind of history because we know she obviously guided them to that historic Euros in front of their home fans um, in the Netherlands three years ago and then, you know, backed that up with um, with the World Cup final last year. And, of course, they lost to the USA, but I don't think anyone can be overly criticised for losing to that USA team. But I think to, um, to have been in two major finals and have won one of them with a team that, only reached their first World Cup five years ago. It says a lot. It says a lot about her as a coach, and I think um, I think it's exciting times. I think it's an exciting appointment. Of course, it's different. You know, she had players with the Netherlands that obviously worked. That obviously she could make it work with. Whether you have that with England, you know, she's going to have to adapt. And but I think it's a good time for her to come in because we've got some very exciting young players here too. So um, yeah, obviously still a year away until we get to see her, but. Um, yeah, I think the FA, you know, we criticised the FA last time that they probably didn't hire the best person available. They've said this time they wanted to hire the best and, you know, there's not many better at the moment than Serena. So um, I think it's an exciting appointment. By the way, I've looked at it is the, the appointment comes, as I say, September next year. And this is all because still the, the she wants to lead the Netherlands to the Olympics. Is that correct? Yeah, I think there's a range of factors that have led to probably a a satisfactory sort of conclusion for everybody. And I think Serena obviously wants to see out her contract with the Netherlands. She extended her contract back in December to 2021. Phil Neville's contract obviously expires in 2021. And 
I think, you know, the FA have been very open as well. And I'm not saying this is the only reason I'm, I'm surmising, but they obviously made a lot of cuts and they've been open about that and, and laying off staff. And, you know, like everybody, even the FA have been affected negatively by, by COVID-19. So I think the prospect of having to pay for one manager to get them out of their contract a year early, whilst also having to pay off the final year of another manager's contract in Phil Neville, probably wasn't an ideal scenario. And obviously this way, Phil will leave at the end of his contract. They won't have to pay him out early and they won't have to pay for Serena. You know, she will come at the end of her contract and, I think it works for everybody. Serena then gets to lead the Netherlands to Tokyo. You know, we've got another year for Phil to to try and finish what it is that he started, um, whether he is the Team GB coach or not. Yeah, I think I think it works for everybody. Yeah. I know some people are not as happy about it, but I think with the fa- the current financial situations for everyone and not disrupting things ahead of the Olympics, I think it's um, I think it's a sensible a sensible deal. Yeah, I mean, although it won't be England or the Lionesses at the the Olympics, of course, it'll be Team GB. It'll be uh, be interesting if we are to come up against the Netherlands and and she was to to face us. Yeah, I mean, you can almost guarantee it, can't, can't you? you? Yeah. Um, I, th- I mean, hopefully, we have an Olympics. You know, first and foremost, because I don't think anything is certain at the moment True. when you when you take into account, obviously, every country in the world is going to. Um, is going to embark on Tokyo in one go, but you know that is still a year away. And, and at the moment, more than ever, a year is a long, long time. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Like you say, you can almost guarantee. I think that England and uh, and the Netherlands will will meet in Tokyo. Yeah, but it'd be interesting, of course. And uh, yeah, football has has its way, doesn't it, of throwing things like that up. Absolutely. I mean, there was a a story. It must have been a couple of months back now that apparently the the position or the, the, the head coach of the Lioness's position uh, attracted, was it 142 applications? Mm. Which So to, to come top of that one must have been, uh, she obviously stood out. Yeah, it makes a change because I think there's about 120 or something last time and not a single one of them got the job. So, um, yeah, it's um, it was a little bit strange actually when I first heard it because obviously she had signed a new contract and then you think, well, why, why is she applying for this, you know, when she's just got a new contract with the Netherlands? But obviously it shows what an attractive job it is to come and work for the Lionesses and the players that we have. And, and like I said earlier, the young players coming through. And I think that's the biggest thing because, you know, for a manager like Serena, her four years, you know, that take her through to 2025, most of that is is not going to be with a large chunk of the current squad. It's going to be with the Lauren Hemps and the Ellie Roebucks and the Lauren Jameses and the Alessia Russo's, you know, the players that have either just broken in or are are yet to break in. And I think for any manager that looks at that calibre of young player, why would you not want the job? You know, we've got some of the best youngsters in Europe. So I think think a lot of managers would have looked at that and thought that's a job that I want right now. Yeah, her chance to mould them into, into what she wants them to be. But, I mean, what... There were plenty of other names in the frame. Do we know why the likes of, say, Jill Ellis and Casey Stoney didn't get, uh, what, not a look-in, but maybe weren't there at the end? Yeah, I think with Jill, again, there's a lot of stories and, again, a lot of rumours and, and none of it's confirmed. But, again, the finances involved, I think, a lot more demanding in terms of the wage than Serena and, and even a lot more than, than what Phil Neville is on now. But, I mean, I don't blame Jill asking for that you know she has earned that I think you know because she's a double 
World Cup winner, and you've got to remember she has a family, you know, who she'd have to bring across to to England. So I don't blame any coach for for asking for what they they deserve and and what they have a right to. If the FA chose not to match that, um, again, I think it's understandable. We don't know for sure that's the reason. The others, again, I think it was just a bit of circumstance. You know, Casey's very loyal. I think she she feels you know she's nowhere near done at Man United. You know, they're only in their second season now, going into the WSL. Emma Hayes, she's got a fantastic job at Chelsea. You know, I don't see Emma Hayes leaving there until she gets that Champions League. I think she really wants that. Nick Cushing has just gone off to America, obviously, moved his whole family over there for a new job. So it probably came at a bad time for him. And we don't know who else applied. So um, it didn't massively surprise me that those three, despite the fact they were pretty regularly mentioned on websites and newspapers, but it didn't surprise me that, that none of them really were that interested given where they're all at in their careers right now. Yeah, and and obviously Phil is still within the position at the moment. Do you think, or do you know, if, if he had any sort of input into this selection process? Is that Would that be a fair thing to do? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there were, there were stories that he did. I, I would find it a little bit strange. I would think more the players would have a say because at the end of the day, it's the players that have to work with this the new coach so you know Phil isn't going to work with Serena so why it has a massive impact on Phil Neville I don't know yeah I've always found it a little bit odd any manager men women's whatever having a say in who their successor is because I don't really see the relevance I think you have that leadership group in any team any nation and I think it should be them really you know they're the ones that have to work with the new manager so I hope the players were taken into account and I hope a selection was spoken to but yeah, I whether Phil had to say or not, I'm not entirely sure. But I, I personally think it's a little bit odd if a manager has a say in uh, in who's going to replace them because they're not actually going to have to work with them. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, that seems a bit of a bit of a silly question. The way you answer that, there, really, why why would he have a uh, any input into his successor? But yeah, you never know. Um, I mean, she is the the first overseas coach for the women. Not that that mm. should be a, uh, a problem, but it's it's kind of surprising that it's taken this long, I guess. And, and on the positive side of things, I haven't heard any any negativity in, in that way, in the way that, that I sort of remember back in the, was it the early 2000s, 2001, when Sven Goran Eriksson, the first English senior men's manager uh, overseas, came in. Um, but that, that's a positive thing, I think. It is, yeah. And I, to me, I don't care whether you're a man, a woman, you know, English, Dutch, wherever. You know, if you're going to win, mm. happy days for me. And uh, you know, Sven, Sven's probably you know one of the better England managers in uh, in any of our lifetime. When you look at some of the English coaches that came after that, you know, some of whom didn't even qualify for a tournament, never mind get as far as quarterfinals. So um, I think you've got to be open to things. It obviously took a while with the men until that appointment of Sven back in the early 2000s and it's taken a while you know as women's football grows and suddenly the game becomes more worldwide and 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 managers are willing to move abroad and they see good jobs yeah you know I think I think you'll see more of it I think you see a lot of the national teams now yeah the US have a US manager France have a French manager you know Germany have a German manager but I think a lot of countries will now break that mould. Um, obviously, Australia are looking now for a new coach. The Netherlands, of course, are going to need a new coach, and they might promote from within. But I think um, I think it's quite progressive from the FA to say, look, we don't care where you're from. 
or who you are you know if you can win we want you and um yeah i got no issue i think if if you've got an international coach who can come and have an impact that's who we want we want to win you know we've we've lost three semi-finals in a row i don't want someone who's going to come in and you know lose another semi-final i want someone who can win and, and serena has proven in the last few years she can win yeah, and and by all accounts, reading a BBC article, she's a woman that tells it straight. Uh, there's no doesn't appear to be a, a lady to cross. Yeah, I think the players will appreciate that as well. I think there's a, I think there's the attitude in women's football that some of the players want to be mollycoddled and you know smothered. But I think actually at the very top level, I, I can't imagine some of the England players want that. I think they'd actually prefer to be treated like adults, like women, like professionals. And I think you want to win. They're all driven to win, you know. So, and if they don't want to hear harsh words, then, you know, they shouldn't be there. So if Serena comes in and says, look, we need to do this, we need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do that, then you do it, you know, because at the end of the day, they want to lift a Euros. They want to lift a World Cup. And if we've brought a manager in, we know she can do it. We've seen it. The proof is there. She won the Euros in 2017. So... Yeah, I think that's what you want. You want a straight-talking person, whether it's a man or a woman. You want someone who's going to lay down the law and say, look, you have not been good enough in the past. England have done well, and they've progressed so well over the last five, six years. But they haven't won anything, so they've got another step to take. And um, if Serena's going to come in and, and possibly tell them some home truths, and look, she's got experience. She played against England in 2017. She beat us 3-0. You know, and it was a pretty convincing win. So she will know some of our weaknesses and hopefully she can come in and turn those weaknesses into our strengths. Yeah, I mean, she's going to have a, a bit of a different start because obviously coming in when she does, because we are hosting the, the next European Championships, I'm right in saying that she's not going to have any competitive games until then. Is that right? Yeah, so we're going to have friendlies. Yeah, so obviously we've already qualified because we're the host. But to be honest, you know, I heard a lot about uh, during the last twelve months, obviously after the World Cup and, and England's pretty terrible run um, of defeats and draws. You know, Phil Neville saying other oh, players were not up for it because they weren't competitive games and things like that. But you know, do you want to go into a major tournament playing? qualifiers against Moldova and Bosnia and Estonia where you know you win 5-6-0 or do you want to play France and Germany and you know the Netherlands and the USA you know at the end of the day beating Bosnia is not a sign you're going to win Euro 2022 so I think for me I'd actually even if they're non-competitive nothing's non-competitive in international football if you play Germany you play France you play the USA you have to be on it whether it's a friendly or not so for me, I think actually, if Serena, Serena's not going to have long. You know, she's going to come in in September, and then the Euros are in July, so she's got you know nine, ten months, and she's not going to get many games. So she needs to judge her team against the best. She's not going to learn anything playing you know the low-ranked European teams. She's going to want to see them against the teams that she's going to face if they want to win the Euros, and that is going to be France, Germany, Spain. Netherlands, you know, teams like that. So it doesn't bother me too much. I think I'd actually rather it be that way, to be honest. And I think if she um, if she plays it right, she can actually use that to her advantage. Yeah. Oh well, we shall see. We've got a little while to wait on that one, as as we said. But I mean, coming almost up to date now. We we heard that the obviously the senior men are in are going to be in Nations League 
uh, action, but they've also thrown in a, a friendly against Wales. But we don't know anything on on the women's side of things yet. Do you, do we know any, or do you know anything about when any internationals may be played? No, Phil Neville has said there would be a camp um, next month. There is an international break scheduled in in September. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's a difficult one to be honest in terms of whether we can have games really because you know there's not going to be a lot of traveling so i wouldn't be surprised to see similar to what the men have done and actually have games against you know wales scotland you know maybe ireland keep it local for a while they've already said they're not going back to she believes next year for the first time so yeah i I think even just to have a camp will be good and to get the players back together but if we can have some games towards the end of the year there's always camps obviously in october and november as well it's usually quite busy towards the end of the year I hope um, hope we can have some games. It'd be nice, actually, to play the home nations. You know, I think it'd be good. And there's always a lot of interest in them because, obviously, Scotland, Wales and Ireland also have a lot of WSL players that are recognisable. So, hopefully, um, yeah, I'd be interested to know, actually, if that is something that they're thinking about because I don't see them... I can't see them going too long haul or especially going into Europe at the minute where things are spiking again. So, um, But I do think there's going to be a camp next month. At least that's the plan, anyway. Yeah. And what was your thoughts on the uh, the She Believes issue, which, as as you mentioned there, we, England have, have pulled out of the next one. And I think they, they blamed the current situation, didn't they, or, or used that as the, their reasoning? Yeah, I think um, I think there were always going to be some question marks about it, to be honest, because it's difficult. You know, it's a long, long trip over there. You're always sort of really mid-season with the WSL. It's always around the Conti Cup final. There's so much travel involved. Like you talk about taking it out of the players at a big point of the season. You know, you go to three different cities, which are not always necessarily that near to each other. There's so much flying involved, different time zones. You know, the conditions are tough because, you know, you're playing Florida and it's red hot. So, um, yeah, I think that was a, I think it came at a right time for them to pull out. You know, they could use almost COVID as an excuse, but also I, I wouldn't have actually been surprised if it was a decision they made anywhere um, pre-COVID, because I think people were starting to realise that actually you've got the Algarve Cup here in Portugal, you've got the new one uh, that launched in France this year, uh, and you've got the Cyprus Cup, so all of those obviously a lot closer to home if they wish to go into a, a different tournament come, come February. Yeah, that's right, because that's what it is. It's, it's February, early March time, isn't it? Which mm. you would hope we may, well... Hopefully by then we'll we'll know where we are with regards to to the COVID situation. Um, but even more sort of up to date, uh, and you mentioned it right at the very beginning there. The the women's Super League, the WSL, that starts sixth of September, doesn't it? It does, yeah, and the championship as well. So uh, looking forward to it. It's um, it's been a long time coming. I think the last time we had a game at Sheffield United was the end of February. So it's it's been six months now. Um, since we were on the pitch and yeah I just um, I'm not going to take it for granted I think this time I think a lot of people won't Um, it's just going to be nice to be back and fingers crossed everything starts smoothly and I think the clubs have done a great job so far of of sticking to the protocols and, and keeping people safe and I just yeah I've just got everything crossed at the moment that that we get back underway and um, yeah we can have a good season all the the women's team are are all secure as it were are they yeah and and that's great you know because i think there were a lot of worries at the start 
you know, would every team survive? And and yeah, the the leagues look the same as they did, obviously, bar the one that's gone up and the one that's come down. So I think the fact that um, that everyone is still here shows maybe it's a little more financially stable that pe- than people thought. And it's not over yet. There's still going to be challenges, but it's great to see, uh, particularly in the championship, obviously, where there's some smaller clubs and, and money is less and less and a lot of teams are part-time that actually we've still got everybody that was here last season, which is great. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's all good to hear, and yeah, we wish you uh, wish you all the best going forwards and and getting back to to some sort of normality, and hopefully we can speak to you very soon. Hopefully, when we know we've got some forthcoming internationals to look forward to. Yeah, no problem. Thanks to Rich there for his insights. You can follow him on Twitter at RichJLaverty. And of course, no doubt, we'll speak to him again very soon. Right, next up, we'll catch up with what's been going on over at Block 109 and speak with CJ Joyner. Hi, Russ. You alright? All good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Been a while. Been a while, hasn't it? It has, yeah. It's been a while. So, um, yes, Block 109, I know yourself and Kunal and and various others are are involved in in sort of behind the scenes of this initiative. And, yeah, I just want to catch up with you, see what's been going on. I know we spoke before about the draw and I saw you recently on a a lovely beach showing your knees off. Um, Yeah, so, so what's been going on? Uh, right, well, um, we're continuing on with the the monthly draw, you know, give you a bit of background with it. It's £5 a month and you get a number and then once once a month, three or four numbers, depending on which prizes you've got, get drawn out and you get you get a set prize for that. So top cash prize at the moment is uh, £25 then you've got 15 pounds and a fiver and then we've also had other things as well like there's been one or two uh, companies that have donated shirts and various other things as well we've had somebody that's donated phone cases this month the bonus prize is some stickers um so you you can get you send your design off to them and they'll they'll send you maybe i don't i I can't remember how many it is maybe 100 200 stickers you get um you know the football stickers oh sort of thing you see replicated on an away day with with supporters flags yeah absolutely yes yeah so there'll be some of those um um, we, we are always looking for prizes, so anybody out there that's kind of, kind of offer anything at all, just let me know, really, and um, we will um, we'll include that in, in the prize drawing. So, if someone yeah. wants to to get involved in potentially winning some cash prizes, how do they do that? You can get in contact with me through Twitter, which is CJ underscore Cov Blaze, or you can get get in touch with the Block One Hundred Nine Twitter account as well. Uh, DMs are open. Um, on those so we also got we've also got an email address which is um, block 109 fundraising at gmail.com you can get into contact through that and yeah and and it's pretty simple to set up we we prefer a standing order obviously so we're not we're not chasing people at the end of each month as well as the prizes obviously there's got a reasonable amount of money there left over at the end of each month that just stays there in a pool and then at the end of a certain amount of time we've obviously it's difficult at the moment if we are going to iceland and denmark 
and Belgium, we would be looking at that and saying, well, you know, we can make some donations there, but we're, we're, we're just going to let it ride for now. And then around about 50% of the uh, charitable fundraising we do will go to charities in this country. So it could go to the Heads Up campaign, for example, right. um, which the FA support, um, or it could go to a different one. It's, it, we're going we're gonna to speak to the people that are actually paying in and um, see what they want to do. And the the rest of the money will go around about 100 to 200 pounds per away trip will go into the local communities. So, for example, if we were in Reykjavik, we find a children's community group or, you know, something along those lines. And we donate some footballs or we donate some books or possibly we'd um, we'd sort them out with some tickets for that the game that night and um you know the, the the fa have been quite helpful with that they'd said look if you need to get in contact with with the the alternate fa just let us know send us something over and we'll send it over to them so they've been quite receptive with it no, that's, that's amazing stuff real positive stuff going on there and i mean this has been going on what's this four or five months have you you've got a significant amount there at the moment yeah. At the moment, there's £842, I think, Amazing. in the account. We, we, we're hoping to be around about £100 a month surplus, really, once we've handed out the prizes. So, after, I mean, we this this month, we're going to be looking somewhere towards £1,000, I would say. So, we're kind of where we, where we wanted to be um, after 10 months rather than after five. So, um, you know, we're, we're quite happy with that. We're, um, we're more than happy with that. And, um, you know, as more people join, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's good. It's just going to increase more and more. And we, we have said as well, um, once we get to the, um, the 50 mark of people actually paying in, we've given out a few, uh, I think it's 49 numbers so far, but not everybody joined. Not everyone does it every single month, which is fine. That's not a problem. If we get 50 people sign up for a particular month, we will increase the prizes, um, the cash prizes slightly. Uh-huh. So big you know, incentive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Um, and as well, I I saw that there was a uh, you call it an AGM uh, off the uh, <laughs> off the air there of, of various Block One Hundred Nine members. Wasn't something I could get along to. But what what came out of that? You guys got together and just what shared some thoughts around over a couple of pints. Yeah, we we, we met in um, we met met in a bar just at the bottom of the the shard. We um, we just had a bit of a chinwag really about what we can do really and how we can help make the atmosphere better because what we've got to remember the the fundraising is great and it's very important however the what the way we've got to look at well when it comes to the charities anyway however what we've got the main reason why it was there is because to improve the atmosphere we want to improve the atmosphere at Wembley we want to um, create some pre-game events some post-game events maybe you look at what the um, the Germans do it's it's fantastic what they do um, before and after matches and the end of the day there's no reason why we can't do that no. so you've got the charitable fundraising we're also looking at other fun, other fundraising as well where we can raise some money towards some banners like for example there are some banners that are behind the home end it's probably all seen them that get unveiled before kickoff but then obviously because the the boxes below them are in use they do have to pull them back up but still they're they're there for when the players come out and i believe they're on the next fifa game actually 
Are they really? EA. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think oh. I, I believe uh, EA have put them into the next FIFA game. You need some uh, sort of Wembley. commission on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a, that's a positive. It shows us we're making some kind of impact there. Uh, what what we're looking at doing is uh, TIFO displays, that sort of thing. Obviously, it's, it's difficult at the moment. If we if some of us are allowed into a stadium, twenty thousand of us or something, into Wembley, you know, a crowd surfer probably isn't going to work um, because it's no. going to droop um, <laughs> quite significantly. Um, but but at the end of the day, if we if we're raising money now, it gives us a little bit of a boost. Same with the charity stuff; it gives us a bit of a boost when we're all kind of allowed back into stadiums. So what we'd be looking at is raising money for banners, raising money for possibly a a room in a hotel or a bar or something beforehand with maybe a few drinks or something you know it just all helps really um it, it helps create that away game atmosphere at the at home games and i think mm. that's important and, and i guess as, as you mentioned right at the beginning there the best way to get involved is is join up like on on twitter or block 109 or, or the email um just to find out more yeah info. that's right yeah, and I mean, we're doing one or two other things as well with, with regards to the charity stuff. Like a few months ago, it was a virtual Grand National. We we, we all chipped in a few quid for that. Um, there was a prize at the end and a cash prize at the end. And we, we raised around, um, I think it was around £1,000 for the NHS Together charities. So, Excellent. Um, so, yeah, um, but then there's... There's also we do we're going to do lucky minute draws. So we did one in uh, for Barcelona v Napoli. So we just had people just chip in two quid for three for three separate minutes. And if your minute was the well, the minute that you chose was the one where the first goal happened, you won half the pot. So yeah. it's these. It's it's not a massive amount of money, but if we do one of those a week, for example, we're going to do another one for the Champions League final. But if we do two, three, four of those a month. It's going to boost it quite well. So with the charity, with the charity side of things, so it, all, all these all these things help. So there's plenty of ways you can get involved, and um, it, it's relatively inexpensive as well. Yeah, well, that's good stuff, and it's, it's really good to hear that. Whilst we've got no games going on, um, things are still ticking over, and and people are still coming up with ideas and and staying in contact. Yes, absolutely. And uh, and well, likewise, as as and when we're uh, allowed back into to Wembley for England games, it'll be uh, be good to catch up with you again. You know, we we'll just have to wait and see on that one. We shall see. All right. Well, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah. Cheers, Russ. Thanks to CJ there, and you can follow Block 109 on Twitter at EnglandBlock109. Now, as we know, the transfer window is now open. No high-profile England movers as yet, but these may have escaped you over the last week or so. Uh, Adam Lalana has left Liverpool and he's joined Brighton. How many caps do you think these players crewed? Well, Adam Lalana, 34 caps to his name. Last played for England in 2018 in the Italy home friendly. Joe Hart has been released by Burnley and joined Spurs on a free, which is a strange one to me, as I can't see him getting much game time there. Although, amazingly, I didn't realise that it was 2017 when he last played uh, against Brazil in a friendly. So how many caps did Joe Hart get? 
75. Uh, and Nathaniel Klein was also released by Liverpool and last played in 2016 in a friendly against Spain. Caps for Nathaniel, 14. Amazing how quickly time flies. You think that these players maybe only played for England uh, recently. You say Nathaniel Klein, 2016. Joe Hart, 2017. Anyway, that's about all from me. Thanks, as always, for listening. That Iceland-Denmark preview is coming. Uh, At the time of this recording, neither side have released their squads or, indeed, has Gareth Southgate. So once they have, then I'll crack on with it. And if you'd like to get in touch, please find me on all the social channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast or you can email threelionspodcast at gmail.com. Take care, stay safe, stay subscribed, wear that mask. And until the next time, cheers. Cheers.